0: Well, we started a new series last week. Uh, this new series is called Stories Jesus Told. Uh, you know, something we like to do here in the summers is uh, a lot of my series, they kind of build on each other, right? They, they build up, and so there's, there's, if you miss one, it's kind of like, well... Did I miss it? You know, but you didn't. You never missed it. I always recap a little bit. But summer, everybody's kind of gone, doing their own thing, and there's vacations here and there and spread throughout, And as you can see this morning. And uh, you know, one of the things we like to do in the summer is just really just, like last summer we did summer in the Psalms. It's not building on each other. It's just kind of, this is what the Psalms say. And this is the same thing we're doing this summer with the parables. The parables, we're just going to spend each week looking at a different parable that Jesus told. Uh, Jesus taught. In parables. It was one of the main ways that he taught. He used story. Uh, stories are great teaching tools, uh, but I think like I was saying last week, if, if it's not necessarily the most liked teaching, especially nowadays, right? If I want to know something, I just want you to give me the answer. I don't want you to have to, I don't want to have to think. Right? Just tell me what it is. Give me three steps to completing this thing. Give me, give me whatever I need to do. And Jesus is not, that's not the way Jesus teaches. People will ask him questions, and Jesus says, Well, let me tell you this story. Right? He's kind of like, yeah, I don't think Jesus' teaching style would be super well liked nowadays. Because when if I'm asking a question, hey Jesus, what does it mean? How can I be saved? I don't want to hear a story. I want to hear here's one, two, three. Here, you just tell, me how, tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. I feel like the rich young ruler in that way. Right? Tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. Jesus taught many times in stories and parables. But when we read these, we always want to put ourselves in the hearer's perspective. What are they hearing? Right, let's get a little context. Who is speaking? Who is he talking to? What is he talking about? You know, how, how, are, how is all this stuff fitting together? What is he trying to say to the people who are listening? And so far, we, we talked last week about the story Jesus told in Luke 18 about the tax collector and the Pharisee. Uh, and they both went to the temple to pray. And Jesus says it's a tax collector. In the humble heart of the tax collector, he was, ju- he was the one who walked away justified. You know, this week, I want to look at another parable, the story of the, uh, the wise and the foolish builder. We find this story in Matthew chapter 7. So if you want to go there with me, Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be today. This is found at the very tail end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and, uh, which is really the biggest kind of single block of Jesus' teaching that we have in Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we get three really good, solid chapters of teaching here. And Jesus has said a lot in this sermon so far. Right, Jesus has talked, He's He's challenged a lot of perspectives. Right, Matthew 5, 17. I haven't come to abolish the law, I've come to fulfill the law. Well, what does that mean? Right? He's he's challenged a lot of kind of preconceptions. He's also flipped a lot of things on their head. You've heard it say. But I say, right, he says this about things like murder and adultery and this this concept of an eye for an eye, right? Jesus says, You've heard it said, but here's what I'm saying: He's flipped a lot of things on their heads. He's talked about loving your enemies, about giving to the needy, about praying and fasting and worry. And at the end of this thing, Jesus tells a parable. It's like he's, he's closing. This is like the, the closing moments of the sermon. This is the, the final piece of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, again, in typical Jesus fashion, decides to tell a story to kind of pull it all together. And this is the story that we read. It's Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 24. He says, Therefore, we won't go back for the therefore. I just told you the therefore, (laughs) the whole sermon. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, talking about the entire sermon, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So chances are, you may have heard this story. Uh, the thoughts are this is one of the more simple stories that Jesus tells. We actually use this. It's, it's easy to imagine. VBS Sunday School, not a lot to it. Uh, it's, we use this. So, you know, you, know, you got to dig down into the rock. We say things like that. This is sort of where that's coming from. But this parable is a lot like that show that used to be on, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Right? You watch that show, or you watch that show, I don't know if you can still watch it now, but you, you watch that show, and you, you, you hear the questions, you're like, oh, I know that. I know, what, I know this answer. You know, and, but you see the people there, and they're struggling in the moment to come up with, with an answer. But you, you see this, when you find yourself in the heat of the moment, you, can't, you can find that it's not quite as simple as you once thought. All right, the message of the parable sounds easy. The foolish builder made some bad choices. The wise builder made good choices. So make good choices. (laughs) We have have this easy, easy kind of understanding of this parable, but I think this parable has a lot more to teach us than just make good choices. I think this parable really speaks to how important obedience is as we're called to live the way that God is calling us to live. I really do. Now, with any parable, I think we need to put ourselves in the shoes of the listener. And so I, I want to I do that with you this morning, give you a little bit of context. This image of kind of building on sand and building in the rock would not have been necessarily an unusual image for these people. If you went out in Palestine during the summer and you were looking for a place to build your house, there were these places that just looked perfect they were called wadis w-a-d-d-i-e wadi summers were great right they they, they were soon but as soon as as winter hits these seemingly clear sandy perfect looking areas would just become raging rivers they would just as soon as winter hits as soon as storm comes the waters would come into those wadis and they would just they would just be there So the people, the the foolish builder, Jesus says, is the one who who builds on these sands. When the rains come and the winds blow, this is where it is. The wise man, though, does the hard work. He builds into the rock. And when all those winter storms come, he's good. Now there's two, two people that we're introduced to here in this story. We had the foolish man, the one who, and really the foolish man is in the story. Jesus isn't really, really uh, hiding anything here. The foolish man represents someone who hears the words of Jesus but does not do what he says. The wise man is the one who hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice. And as Jesus is, is sharing this story, he really has a point. He's putting a conclusion on this sermon. Again, this sermon has touched so many different topics. He has flipped things over. He has, he has kind of cleared up some preconceptions. He's gone over some things and he's talked about, like I said, loving your neighbor and praying and fasting and giving and all these different things. And there's this Moment of truth for those who would follow him and those who would walk away and think he was crazy. And Jesus is basically saying this at the end of the sermon. Honestly, I could not imagine a better close to a sermon. He's saying all these things. Look at all these things that have happened. And then he says, The people that ye hear my words and put them into practice are like people who build their house on the rock. The people who hear my words and do not put them into practice are like people who build their house on the sand. And that's it. That's his, to put it in my perspective, that's the let's pray moment. <laughs> you know, you hear my words, you put them into practice, you're building on the rock. You hear my words, you put them in, and you don't put them into practice, you're building on sand. Let's pray. <laughs> Mic drop, done. This is the end of the sermon. I, I love this. He, really what Jesus is speaking about, he's talking about this dynamic between hearing and doing. And he's talking about obedience, like I was saying. Jesus makes a demand of the people who are listening here. There is no halfway point. If you hear my words and you put them into practice, you're like a man who built his house in the rock. If you hear my words and you do not put them into practice, you're like a man who built his house the on sand. There is no halfway point. There's no gray area. There's not an area where Jesus talks about that's kind of rock and kind of sand, like beachfront property. There's none of that in this story. There is either you're building the rock or you're building in the sand. I think I love this close. He's demanding full obedience from the listeners, no matter what, no matter when, no matter how. And he's not really taking time to explain the why of all he's saying he's just saying this is the way we need to live as i've been thinking about this passage i think it's clearly about obedience it's about hearing the words of jesus and doing what it says and i think it's really interesting that he talks about obedience these putting these words into practice through the lens of a storm Jesus is really clear. The storm's coming. The winter is going to come. The rains are going to come. The winds are going to come. That was not. There's not an if in this story. It was when, when the rains come, when the winter came, when the storm came, turned into a raging river. There's no if. The storm is going to come. I don't want you to miss this. Both of those men went through a storm. The person who, who essentially the 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 wise builder who built his house on the rock he also went through a storm the foolish builder who built his house on sand also went through a storm jesus makes it clear that the storm is going to come but the one who made it through the storm was the one who had built his foundation on the rock the one who had heard the words of jesus and put them into practice which makes me just wonder really where's our foundation Is it in God's word? Is it in being in his presence? Is it leaning on his guidance? Is it building on the rock that is Christ or is it something else that is outside of God and his promises? I think we are better prepared to weather the storms of life that come no matter what, because that's life. We're better prepared to handle the storms of life when we are in tune with God, when we diligently seek to obey God with our lives. Something happens within us when we seek to listen to God and do what he says. I think the call of this parable, the call to the listeners, the call—the whole point of this story is a call to obedience. But here's the question. What does it look like? What does this obedience that Jesus is talking about look like? I don't think we need to go any further than the wise builder. What does this look like? First of all, it's in the hearing. Verse 24, anyone who hears these words of mine. I, I, when I think about hearing the voice of God, I think about, uh, and just how hard it is sometimes. I think in my mind, I go to this image of an airplane uh, and listening to the flight attendants. And I don't think, I feel sorry for flight attendants sometimes, I really do. Because they're up front, they're giving you all the safety requirements, they're doing everything they can to tell you, hey, in case of emergency, this is what we're going to be doing, you know, all this kind of stuff. At least half the people have their headphones on. Some people are just reading, some people are talking to their neighbors still, it doesn't, no one really listens, No no one really cares. And sometimes I feel like God's word, listening to God's word is a lot like listening to a flight attendant sometimes for us. We hear, we come to church, we hear God's word. We read our Bible, we hear God's word. We might even pray and hear the word of God. But sometimes we just, we don't hear it. We know it's happening, we don't hear it. We know that it's happening, we, we've been here before. It's like, it's like I'm the flight attendant right now. You've been to church thousands of times, hundreds of times, tens of times. Singles of times, doesn't matter. You've been to church. You've been someplace where someone is talking to you, telling you some important news, some important things. And it's, sometimes it's easy just to kind of disengage and treat it like a flight attendant and say, you know, I, I hear you. I know you're telling me some good things, but I'm just not engaging. And sometimes it's subconscious. Hearing the word of God requires intentional listening on our part. We need to hear the word of God. Why is that so hard? It's hard because we're better talkers than listeners. We take classes on how to communicate, on how to talk better. <laughs> they, would, they would get on me for saying talk better. <laughs> but we take classes on how to do that. We take classes on how to talk, but we don't talk all, a lot about how to listen well. The other reason is because we're so easily distracted by everything that's around us. How many times have you been reading your Bible or praying and just gotten distracted? Your phone rings, you get a text message, someone knocks on the door, you get a package from Amazon, whatever it is. Distractions. They come up, and the next thing you know, it's like two hours later, and you're like, I was in the middle of that prayer, and I didn't even finish. I got distracted. I was in the middle of Matthew chapter seven, and I have no idea when I stopped or why I stopped. But I am no longer in Matthew chapter seven. Sometimes, tell me if you've been here before. You read, and you're like, you read like a whole chapter, and then all of a sudden you wake up, and you're like, I don't remember anything that I just read. What did I, I have to go back to? Like Matthew? I don't remember Matthew chapter six. Man, I've just been in autopilot this whole time. I've been reading the Word of God, but I don't, I don't, I don't know that I've actually captured anything. I've been doing it. I've been listening. But I haven't actually heard. It's it's a flight attendant. We have to be intentional about the way that we listen. Here's a question. When you read your Bible, when you come to church, are you prepared to hear what God has to say? Or do you come ready to listen? It requires Intentionality. We are here to listen, to here being, not just here in this space, but when we, when we sit down and we read, when we sit down and pray, we are there to hear the word of God. We are there to hear a word from God. And it requires intentionality, not just kind of careless presence in the same room. It's hard, but I think the, the next step is even more difficult because it's in the hearing, but it's also, Jesus doesn't just say, anyone who hears these words of mine, is like a, no. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, in the hearing, but it's also in the doing. The wise man didn't just listen to the warnings. He, he acted with the warnings in mind. His actions, the doings of his life, they were all intentional. They had a purpose. And, and here's my question for you. When it comes to God's word in your life, meaning scripture, but also when God speaks something to you, are you a doer? When you hear God's heart on forgiveness, do you go and forgive? When you hear Christ's heart on reaching the nations, do we do our part? When you hear God's heart on loving your neighbor, do we love? Right, it's not an optional thing. There's no compromise. There's no gray areas. You haven't been given to permission to interpret that command for your own situation. It just says, love your neighbor. No matter what, who they are or what they look like. James chapter 1 talks a little bit about this. Uh, I've been reading James lately, and I, I, you know I love James, but James chapter 1 verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James would say that if you haven't really done what it says, you haven't actually really listened. It's in the hearing, but it's also in the doing. But what does this doing look like? I think here's just some, some points on, on doing. We need to act immediately when we have a word from God we need to act immediately have you ever just been just super pumped about a word from God that you received you've been reading your Bible and you just really feel strongly that God is is telling you to do something or go somewhere or say something or or whatever it may be or you hear a sermon and you just leave you're just ready to go you're ready to go and do something. God is prompting you to do something, but but when we get home, it just doesn't happen. Psychologists, people from outside the religious world, tell us that this is actually a really dangerous thing for us. To feel the, the passion, to be moved by a sermon, to be ready to redirect your life, to, to feel the emotion of what you heard and never translate that into action every time that happens makes it less and less likely that we ever will act. If we hear a word from God, if we have direction from God, and yet we do nothing, it is less likely the next time that we will actually do something. This is human psychology. So when we, when we hear a word from God, when we feel God saying we need to do something, we need to, we need to actually do it. When you go to a doctor to get advice, it's probably a good idea to follow it. When you go to a financial planner, he gives you advice, it's a good idea to follow it. When you, it's, If you go and you, and you listen and you do what they say, oftentimes you get the results. If you go to a gym or you go to a personal trainer and say, here's what we're going to do and you don't do it, you're probably not going to get the results that you're going to get if you actually follow the lead. And it's easy to get the emotions of, of reading and, and meeting with God, but if there's no... Action included. It's hard. It's hard to act in the future. I mean, they say the hardest part of writing a paper is that first sentence. Bill, maybe you know, writing newspaper articles. The hardest part of painting a room is just getting all the stuff out to do it. Amen. <laughs> the hardest part of reconciliation is just picking up the phone and dialing it. I mean, need to just... Just do it. And part of how we just do it is we, we need to consider the bigger picture, right? The the foolish builder did the easier thing. It was easier for him to build his house where he built it. I'm I'm confident just because I, I believe in humans in general, maybe to a fault sometimes. I'm pretty confident that if that foolish builder had taken into consideration the future of what building in that spot might mean probably would not have done it i think when we consider the bigger picture we we think more about the future the bigger picture I think sometimes we, we fail to act on God's word because we fail to actually look at the big picture and see the, the domino effect that this might have. We fail to see the consequences of our, our potential actions or even our potential inactions. We fail to apply God's truth to our lives because we will have to give up too much. It will take us too far out of our comfort zones. It's, it's not easy. I think we need to see our everyday actions, everything that we do, every single day. Especially in regards to following the Word of God, we need to see all of that in light of eternity. In light of, of future, in light of eternity. We leave a legacy behind us with our choices. So here's a question What is it that we've been hearing but not doing? Is there something that God has been speaking to you and and telling you and trying to prompt you and and push you and probe you? Is there something that, that God has been trying to do in your life that you've just been resisting? Maybe it's a message that convicted you and you just decided not to make the change. Maybe in your own personal study, God has spoken to you and you just can't get yourself on a better track. Maybe it's Improving your witness Taking care of your anger The way you spend your money any, Anything Anything We need to consider the bigger picture And I think as we follow That bigger picture we, we, we hear, we do We consider the bigger picture I think what we realize Is that following Jesus Is not always easy It's not always comfortable It is much easier To live carelessly It really is But Jesus didn't come to make our lives easy. In fact, that same chapter, James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. When you go through trials of many kinds, you're going to go through trials. Jesus didn't come to live an easy life either. Hebrews chapter 12 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That cross is not an easy thing. It is easier to be unintentional, but, but I think being obedient to God requires intentional hearing, intentional doing on our part. This wise builder in Matthew chapter 7, he heard the words of Jesus and he did what they said. Amen. And when the storms came and the winds rose and all of that good stuff, his house was built on the rock. It stood. Many of you know about the San Andreas fault, especially living here. We know about the fault. We know about the earthquakes. We know everybody says we're due for the big one, right? We're due for, for the next big one. Uh, Yeah, I was surprised a while back to find out that the Golden Gate Bridge is actually built on the San Andreas fault line. Did you know that Yeah, bridges used to make me nervous Uh, when I was younger. Bridges used to make me really nervous for some reason, I don't know why, I think I've just seen movies and bridges fall and people fall into the water and all that good stuff, you know, but uh, I actually really enjoy bridges now, and part of it is because of what I know about the Golden Gate Bridge. Even being on the San Andreas fault line, it's pretty spectacular the way it was designed. I'll just read some, some facts here. There was an article in 2014 that I I've saved on my computer, I found it again, I read it this week talking about what it would take to take down the Golden Gate Bridge. Here's what it would take. It would take, essentially, all these different options. It would take, essentially, the entire city of San Francisco standing and jumping at the same time on the bridge, which is physically impossible to fit that many people on the bridge. It would take the largest tsunami, <coughs> the largest tsunami ever recorded, needing a wave 100 feet or higher, than the current largest recorded. The bridge would be able to withstand an earthquake with a magnitude of 9.0 without collapsing. That's a a massive earthquake, a 9.0. So how? Well, it's flexible, but more importantly, all of the concrete, all of the steel, everything that makes up that bridge is driven so deep into the rock below it. That nothing, nothing could take it down. It's driven so far into the rock that even, as Matthew says, as the winds came and the water rose and the winds blew and beat against it, it would not fall. That's amazing to me. Yeah, we hear about the big one all the time. The fact that the Golden, the Golden Gate Bridge is on that fault and it will not fall because it is driven so far into the rock. I don't know about you, that's, that's the kind of relationship with Jesus that I want. I want to be like this wise builder, but I want to build the Golden Gate Bridge. I want to hear the words of Jesus and do them to the extent that I am driven so far down into that rock that it would take record tsunamis and 9.0 earthquakes and anything like that to be able to shake and move me. Amen. That's the relationship I want with Jesus. And that's, that Jesus says that foundation comes as we hear his words and put it into practice. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. That's my prayer for all of us is that we would live a life of obedience, that we would live a life that we hear the words of God, which is important, right? We need to be able to hear the words of God. How do we do that? We need to be in this book. We need to be in prayer. We need to be in small group, digesting and talking. We need to be all the places we can be, doing all the things that we can do to even just hear the words of God. But once we do that, we need to put them into practice and act. And as we do that, our foundation is built in the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Do not listen to the words of Christ. Put them in to practice. This is what I want for me. This is what I want for you. This is what I want for our church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.